Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks America podcast. This is your host, Jeff Vance. Now, today I have a returning guest. Is, uh, this is Jeremy Salter. Now, he's had a fantastic season. I mean, he has just been busy between the East Coast, the Midwest. He's been able to help a lot of folks uh, fill their turkey tag, their bear tag, white tail tag. He's just been having a blast. And we're also going to talk about uh, his uh, son's first bear, which is pretty exciting, especially you get to get to witness that. And uh, he gets to talk about like what he went through to put him, put his son on a bear and be able to get him and take care of it all in one day. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but also those who remember from last season, we were, we ended our conversation on trapping and that's what I wanted 
focus on with this one right here because we are going to be wrapping up majority of states are going to be finishing up their whitetail season and we'll be moving right into trapping ice fishing uh predator control all that fun stuff so i think this is going to be a fun conversation because it's always fun talking to a return guest because they're always they're, they they already know what to, what to expect with the whole process so jerry man how you been good brother how are you Oh, geez, been awesome. But it had a really fun year. I mean, see a lot of buck sign, a lot of buck activity, you know. Uh, I saw the biggest buck of my life. That was really nice. exciting. Yeah, it was It was probably yeah. about 160, maybe 170. And it, I just, the, only, the, the thing was is that it came in on my right-hand side. And it's like, I'm a bow hunter. So in order for me to get right, I had to like literally have to rotate in the tree stand to get to a, get to a spot. Right. And it, right. it wasn't going to happen. It was just not going to happen. But boy, right. watching, because like, the way it worked is it was the weekend of uh, December 4th, December 4th and 5th, that, that first weekend of December here, here in Wisconsin. And I was in, I was hunting on public land and it was on that Saturday afternoon, sat that morning, saw a lot of buck activity. I think I saw, I saw six or seven that morning, but all of them real small. They're between four to maybe a small eight, but they were all like, I just wanted to see them grow. And it's good to see all that stuff, especially on public right. land, surviving the, the, the oh, nine yeah. day uh, hunt. And then um, I was showing my, uh, I have the picture of it on my phone, but I'll have to send it to you. But it was, it was a buck that it's like, I, I, I had an opportunity to shoot him back in November, but it's like, yeah, I'll, it was the day one of the hunt. And I had three more days to go. And now in hindsight, I should have shot him. But you know, the thing is like, he made it survive. So it's like, well, now it's like, get to possibly see him here hopefully between now and january 31st if not um, i'm not gonna lose sleep over him but getting right. back to that um that story though uh, continue on where i saw the big buck so started it was pretty much an all day's hunt started up right before sunup and that morning was pretty fun because i heard the owls going off i heard the turkey i heard i had turkey i scared turkey out, out of the roost which is pretty cool um and i saw i had four little raccoons all walking around me like they're just they're just all just minding their own business. And the fourth one looked up, he saw me, just he made eye contact. It's kind of like, well, you're just gonna keep going because I'm not gonna waste an arrow on you. So as the day went, I just saw I had a lot of activity with those and bucks. I Me, mean, I probably saw uh, nine, nine dozers over, but overall I saw, saw quite a bit of uh, uh, interaction because I saw it and I sat right in just a, a nice transition area from bedding to where they were going to be going for water and stuff like that. Cause it's like right. they I just watched them throughout the days. Uh throughout the year watch them go down to water so i just kind of figured out a nice spot where i can set up and be ready to rock and roll get up into a tree instead of setting up on the ground blind sitting down on the ground blind so it's like well i'll see how this all works out and then throughout that day just kind of just waiting and waiting and then I, uh, about 10 o'clock or so i had this really nice buck walk out but i had three bucks just oh probably like about 20 30 yards from me and he, they see this big guy coming out and he had a doe in front of him and it's like oh i'm gonna go talk to these guys and he just, he just all of them took off and it upset the mature one he just took off running it's like son of a gun that's just like i'm not gonna see him again and it's like so he just ran off to off to a private piece of land and it's like that's where it's gonna stay which is like eh we'll see what happens but the thing is i never heard a gunshot so it's like he must have survived or uh or he never came back to one of the two anyways okay. As the as the day progressed, it got about I don't know two thirty three, so it's like I just I'm getting bored. Not any activity, kind of completely slowed down. Daylight's coming or sunset's coming up, so it's like, well, I'll just try bleeding real fast. So I bleeded a couple times, and uh, next minute, you know, I start hearing footsteps and footsteps, and it's like, okay, well, I'm, I set myself up to where I saw the the bucks that earlier that morning walked out. No, the son of a gun decides to walk out parallel to me, just a hair upwind. 
and I'm sitting on my right hand side and it's like, there's no way I'm trying to remain still and I'm trying to walk as he's walking, trying to position myself to get onto my left hand side to draw back. And he, he walks underneath and he comes down this ravine, walks right back up and the rack was just marvelous. I think it's probably, Oh, let's see here. Probably the one back up in your corner. I'm in the far, well, on my side, it'd be far right. You're far left that wide, nice and tall. Oh man. It's like, I just like, I didn't, I don't get buck fever. Cause it's like, I don't, I don't have that adrenaline dump like I used to because playing paintball for a lot of years, you just kind of, you don't, you don't, you learn to control that adrenaline rush. So it's like, it doesn't really phase me much, but my biggest thing is like, I need to get to work. I need to figure out how I can rotate in this little bitty bitty stand here and get to my left-hand side here. But I, there's no way it happened. He got parallel 15 yards out and I'm halfway through my transition and he looks up and he just kind of just walks backwards. He, just, he walks back. Didn't even snort. Didn't even bring up his tail. Nothing. He just just walked away. Cause like this guy knows he's not. He does, I don't have a shot on him. It's like he knew. And it's like I was must have been in his bedroom because it's like he didn't walk very far. Didn't run off. Didn't get scared or anything like that. It's like it was just it was really quite spectacular to see. I mean, it was just like because you you've seen when you have a big buck, and especially you have the experience of like your first time seeing that big guy walk out in front of you. It's like oh, don't screw this up. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of things going through your mind. Oh, so I sat back up on Saturday, same spot. And this time I sat on the ground because maybe this, this way then I have a little more flexibility. He never came back out. He never he did, did not give two shits. But a, a doe did come out. She came out 30 yards, punched straight through her. She toppled over 40 yards, and that was pretty well solid, you know? So I did end up with the hunt with getting something about 10 o'clock in the morning, stuff like that. And then it's like after I didn't take a whole lot of pictures with it. Cause it's like, I had to get busy because it's like, well, I'm on public land. So it's like, I'm going to try to get my stuff, get it all butchered, get her, get her all taken care of and then get it and get it all taken care of and stuff like that. But uh, yep. yeah, it was just a fun so far. I've been a really rewarding season. I just, I, it's, it's not about the, the kill. It's about that adventure. And I, I never thought I was going to see this many bucks. Like even back in September, I had an eight pointer, walked 30 yards to my right had a could have had a shot but um he the way all of the twigs just crisscrossed i wasn't going to be able to pull off a smooth shot i mean it'd be a one in a million with being able to get through this tight cluster yeah that's good i didn't uh for me season was really quick i had like two weeks before i left and we uh, yeah we went out a few times and girlfriend she shot a couple does last night for the end of the season and mm-hmm yeah, so now we're following in the late muzzleloader. Maybe get a chance to maybe try to go a few times late muzzleloader. We got some food blocks still looking good. So yeah, we just need some cold, some colder weather and some snow, man. We could uh get going, girl. Watch out, hold on. <laughs> go lay down. Go lay down. Lily, go lay down. Jesus, go <laughs> go lay down, girl. She seen me look at her. She thought I was talking about her. Hush, hush, hush. <laughs> that's quite all right the dogs always making an appearance whenever you least expect it oh, oh yeah see they heard something i thought they heard something i don't know what they're doing going like, outside. attention yeah. give me attention please right right when she gets it she rides with me every morning when i leave to go trap and she she's already she beats me to the side by side and she'll ride with me all morning so do you have any uh targets this season target says they're target bucks you know do you have anything on camera that, that you hope no, they take a poke at not I mean, we had some nice deer, nothing, nothing spectacular, man. Uh, really some nice deer that 140 range. We really didn't have, but maybe one deer that we would have, we would have shot and it, it got killed on another farm. 
Uh, it was a really nice deer. It just got killed, I guess, a couple of days ago. But yeah, I mean, just one deer. The rest of them, I mean, really respectable deer, but nothing that would, you know, really get you excited and make you want to get up and go. I don't know if that cold, if this winter got them or or what, but it just seemed like the horn growth was down compared to you know recent years. I got you. Now, do you put minerals out just to kind of keep them fed throughout the throughout the uh, season? Or not? No, we just do. We got food plots. We food plots, standing beans or standing corn or you know turnips and radishes. Yeah, okay. I don't mess around. Don't mess around with any minerals or anything. That's just you're looking for trouble. How so? What do you what do you what do you mean by oh, trouble? By that? Well, you can't if you got it on a farm, you know, and you, had, you die. We ain't putting minerals out. How about that? Okay. All right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I don't want to deal with. You end up shooting a great big deer on a farm, and you got minerals somewhere on that farm. It can turn into a. It can turn into a DNR issue. Oh no, kid! I said I didn't know that Iowa. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, they you can't bait. You can't bait, and you know you can't hunt over bait. And I just, you know, we just don't put anything out like that, just in case you hear a guy shoots a two hundred, you know, new, new world record deer. I don't want any mineral blocks on the on a farm that I, that would happen on. That makes perfect sense. I don't blame you. Yeah. Just, it just uh, gets rid of some headaches that you might have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like this way, then you can just go look and figure out what you can, what naturally you can plant in there to figure yeah, out. What enough, could... like I said, we got turnips, radishes, you know, soybeans. We, I mean, and the more you plant and the more deer you get. So that's kind of where we're at on that. That makes sense. I follow your logic on that whole process on that yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, no troubles that way. I don't want any troubles with anybody. So just try to stay is just with the food plots. But yeah, okay. yeah, no well, big deer this year, man. Nothing that would, uh, like I said, one deer. And I don't like I said he was probably in the high one seventies. Um, a lot of one forties, one thirties, maybe a couple one fifties. So. Well, you hopefully maybe just get out there and have fun. Maybe get to fill a doe tag or something like that while while you're. Oh there. yeah, you know, if I get a chance to go, I'll go shoot a doe or so. But I'm just trapping now and just working a little bit and just trapping, man. Get up in the morning, go run traps, and then I go to work. And... Yep, that makes perfect sense, man. Because you've had a really warm winter down there so far. I mean, what was it right. last last Wednesday? You guys were almost eighty degrees. Yes, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, we we had friends here that were shotgun hunting, and it's like we you're going hunting in a short sleeve t shirt, you know. Oh, it's so frustrating. Even up here too, it's like we it uh, was it's been warm. It's been warm, cold, warm, cold. It's like you can't we can't we want to we want to get that deep deep cold, but it's like we're not going right. to see that I mean, until the deer movement's still been steady. I mean, it hadn't affected the deer like we thought it would be. Yeah. Nothing like it would be if there was snow on the ground, but still the deer have been moving. And then we know we had a terrible windstorm last week, right in the middle of the, right in the middle of hunting season and wind blew. We had some registers at 82 mile an hour. So. Man, we had uh, 85. We had a couple of tornadoes land just north of northeast of La Crosse. I have a buddy of mine, Martin Enor. He's been on the podcast. He lives uh, in Cedar Rap. Uh, he, he lives right where all the things hit. But the wind managed to cause electrical fires. So he lost everything. And oh, then, man, that's, good. that's terrible. 
Well, the cool thing was that uh, another podcast guest, uh, Tyson Trunkhill, he runs um, Sticks and Stones Archery there in Denver, Iowa. Now, he also also does a charity for um, veterans and EMS and uh, police officers where he where people will donate an old bow that's not being used, and he'll spruce it up and get them put it in their hands. Well, he oh, decided okay. so he decided to do an auction. I think the the auction was tonight or do a raffle for for a bow. 100 tickets, 25 bucks a piece. I bought a few of them. A few of my other friends bought a few of them too as well. And then, but uh, his sister went ahead and she put out, it did a GoFundMe page and set a goal for a thousand, just something, something just to get them through the holidays. They mm-hmm. crushed it by almost, it ended up being like 47, almost 5,000 in just a matter Jeez. of just a few days. Yeah. yeah. I I posted on my, on my feed and everything like that. So hopefully my listenership listened to them. Uh, contributed to it and such so that was a pretty big one then i uh, one of the hurricane one of the tornadoes that landed over by racine minnesota they had one of my friends from high school so he's without a home now with him and his three kids and his wife so it's like they're but uh, same thing community rallied up around him and got stuff and got him taken care of and his wife so that storm was quite something yes it was yeah we had a lot of just nothing really bad here just some trees down and you know i don't think we ever lost power it flickered a couple of times come right back on and that was about the worst of it here, right here in my area. Just some trees down and stuff. Yeah, Centerville and Keokuk area, then stuff like that. We really didn't get hammered. It's just it all went up through Mason City, Albert Lee, Rochester. That means that's where all the real damage was. But between yeah. Omaha and pretty much north of me, there's 13 total tornadoes that landed. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was out or my, my ex and my daughter were they were out without power for 44 hours. My dad was out without power over there in Mitchell County. He had like several, but he has a backup generator. It's like the joys of being an old man. He's like, you've gone through enough shit. That's okay. He's got a backup right. generator. He's got a camera. Right. He, he he was fine. He's like, he's like, it's been a while since I did all the all nighter, but he had a, him and his friend, they, they stayed up and they just drank beer and just hung out in the garage and stayed warm. There you go. That's always a good time. Yeah. So he's doing all right. And he's, he's, uh, I think his, his power's back. I haven't talked to him since, uh, since Friday. So but uh, he's been doing all right, though. He had some friends of his that wanted him to get out to do uh, first season muzzleloader, but or not first season muzzleloader, but uh, first season shotgun. So yeah. it's like, well, I told him, it's like, well, I have your eleven hundred if you want to if you want to take him up on it. And he's just not hasn't been really too motivated for hunting anymore. Been kind of right. yeah, like 10, 15 get, years. The older you get, that kind of goes away, I guess. I feel a lot of deer, kill a lot of things, and yeah, it kind of goes away after time. I'd rather watch somebody else. I get more just about as much enjoyment watching somebody else kill it as as uh as I do kill him. That is a big reward. Now that that's a good segue into talking about your son, man. Your son's 16, got his first bear. Give us a little story behind that. Yeah, so I had just a day, um, a good friend of mine that I bear hunt with, Stephen Proctor. I've known him all my life. Me and him deer hunted, bear hunted, done a little bit of everything together. And um uh, he, uh, he's in a club there. It's just a bear club only. We run dogs for bear. and It's a huge chunk of ground, 70,000 continuous acres in one block, private ground. And, um, yeah, I was got an invite to go. I told him what the deal was. You know, I said, I, his son's uh, just a little bit younger than my son, but he's killed a bear. So, and you know, I've killed bears. Stephen's killed bears. And, I wanted to get Cody one killed, so we took off. And I left the lodge at three o'clock in the morning, met Stephen at his house, and uh, we struck out from there. And it's about a two and a half hour ride down south, and uh, the really south, North Carolina, I guess. And <laughs> um, yeah, got in, got a bear started, started dumping dogs to it, and had it treed, and 
like 290 off the road, 290 off the road in North Carolina might as well be a mile as thick as it is. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. So yeah, we cut our way in. I don't know. Took a hour and a half or so to go 290 yards, and uh, got in. Knew it was a smaller bear. Um, you know, got Cody on the gun. Got the dogs pulled back from the tree. And uh, yeah, said whenever you're ready, son. Boom! <laughs> Before I could get shoot him, he had already shot him and <laughs> knocked him out of the tree. And we just run over there, and made sure that the bear was was uh had passed away and. Yep. So that's how that went. Then he, the guys come in. They, you can hear them coming with chainsaws because they they don't know how big the bear is, and we don't either until we kind of get him on the ground. Yeah. And uh, so I just radio to the guys, hey, we don't need a chainsaw. We'll just cape him out and debone him right here or quarter him out right here. So we uh we caped him out, got him strung up a tree, caped him out, and uh, got him quartered, and then. All the other guys showed up. We got hounds and bear and started running another one probably in all in, oh, three hours, two and a half hours. That was all said and done. And we got running more bear and got to see a lot more bear. And the kids were excited. And, yeah, they were – Cody was on cloud nine. So I was too. Yeah, I got this – you know, I don't get to see them as much as I'd like because I live up here and they live down there. So, yeah, it was something really cool to enjoy with my – with my son and one of my best friends and his son. So yeah, it was a really good time. That's fantastic, man. Uh, congrats. Tell, tell your son, congratulate from us here at Bucks of America. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. So now uh, what is, since this is his first bear, is he going to, does he have anything special in mind for it or is he just gonna. No, we're just going to soft tan it. That was it. Uh, it's not a, uh, he can't, all he can do now is go up from bears. I, I'd hate for him to kill a 600 pounder. Cause then he really ain't got nowhere else to go. Once you kill one, you know, when you get them that big killed. So now he can just look forward to shooting more bears in his life and just go up from there. And he once once he gets uh, <laughs> a good job, he can pay to get them mounted because they, they're not going down in price. They keep going up. So we're going to soft tan this one. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, at least you got Josette there. She's going to be able to knock it out of the park for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she, she hates messing with bears too. So I didn't bring that one. I oh, didn't really? bring that one back with me. She, uh, she don't, she don't not like doing them, but they are a headache greasy. They're just a headache. So there's a good guy down South It's just for soft tan and anybody that knows how to soft tan, they'll get it sent off. So it's not a big deal. Okay. So just, at least, at least just, he... yeah, just going to hang. It's just going to be a hanging soft tan is all it's going to be. There's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty not... sweet. Yep, yep, it'll be cool for him. Uh, my uh, my wife's uh, uncle passed away here earlier this year, but he w- used to live out when he was when he was around. He used to stomp around out there in New Mexico, and so okay. what he would do is he would actually like for those who wanted to donate their hides or something like that, whether it be elk or coyotes or something. Well, what he would do is he would set do all the stuff to it, but then he would turn around and he'd paint it. He'd stretch it all out and put it in a frame, and he'd paint something on it as a commemoration for it and like that's that was one oh, way yeah. is one way how he made money but is also another way for those who did who wanted something special for it for the for as a piece of art i got you yeah i got a, a friend of mine their uh their bear camp up in northern wisconsin they have a uh a, a tanned i guess it, it's a bear hide but it's been uh turned to leather i don't know it's it's just like a cowhide now. So it's okay. leather and it's all been leather work with Indian stuff and bear stuff on the, on the whole bear hide. Okay. And it's hung the old style 
with the string and ring around it so it's still on the stretcher. Okay. So yeah, really, really cool piece of art that they have there at their lodge. It just you made me think about it when you were talking about painting on the leather. That is pretty sweet to see. Now, uh, the lodge is that something that is that they do? Is that an outfitter or is that something that they put together? No, it's a, it's an outfitter in Northern Wisconsin. Yep. Yep. So now, in the fall, then what do you get? Where, do you guys primarily hunt bear in the fall there in North Carolina? Uh, so where our deer season comes in really early in North Carolina, but we don't run any clients out until uh, the um, opener or rifle. And um, so I think we had 65 or 70 people this year come through. I, and I did that from the 15th of October to Thanksgiving week. I run that many people out of camp. Wow. That's a, it's like nonstop. Yeah. So and then most of that during that time is deer hunting. And but we're in hot. We're in wild hog country. So the guys got a chance to kill some hogs and um you know, we, uh, we're an all, we're all inclusive lodge. We do a five day hunt and, um, that's all your food, lodging, uh, back and forth to the properties and you're, uh, cleaning and cape and caping a deer and quartering out and everything. And this is still all done at the, uh, the Buffalo Creek outfitters, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yep. And then we have a one week bear season in that County that we're in. Yeah. Um, every County's different in that area. Some of them are 30 days. Some, some of them are, uh, five day season and then a 10 day season. Um, I had, uh, I had a couple bear hunters in camp this year. Um, you know, I did everything I could to get them on a bear, but we didn't get one killed through my, through my guys this year. Um, just a lot of things were against me with the moon and I had guys that could see some of these lanes are a mile long they could see farther than they could shoot. And I had them in places and the bears just didn't move in the daylight. I mean, okay. trail cameras were telling me the bears weren't moving in the daylight. Oh, if they'd have been there the week before, geez, we had a, we had all kinds of things going on with bears. People were seeing bears every day. A guy shot a, shot a doe, and an hour later, one of the big bears on the property walked out, picked the deer up, and walked off with it. And <laughs> yeah, all kinds of things were going on with bears. They were bears sleeping in. We can bait in North Carolina, and uh, there was bears sleeping in corn piles. I mean, everybody was seeing bears in the daylight, but. That opening week or that week of bear season, it just turned off with a big full moon. It was really, really bright. Um, I mean, I had bears there and they were just moving, you know, that hour or two hours after light and they were gone, you know, nothing in the morning times. The bears just disappeared, but they were back every night. I mean, had tracks, had all the signs, just couldn't get them to come out for my hunters. So I got a big old skunk on the, on the bears for, for hunters. Yeah, but this past spring though, you were just on fire. How many oh, animals yeah. overall did you guys have with between the bears and the, the turkeys? Oh, I don't know how many. Uh, golly, I think I called. I think I was fourteen for fourteen on turkeys. I think or eleven, eleven. Yeah, I can't remember either eleven or fourteen. I people and I called a bird for everybody, but and that was including myself too. So yeah, I, I was able to kill two birds when I got back home, and uh, yeah, I had a really good season in North Carolina. Man, we killed a pile of turkeys, and yeah, it seemed like I couldn't, I couldn't make a mistake, which is really, really weird when messing with turkeys. But I just happened to be in the right places at the right time, and then birds wanted to cooperate. We made some really long shots some days. You know, that sixty yards with a shotgun is stretching it, but yeah, it is. I had to, uh, I run a couple of them down, so I was a uh, 
pretty entertaining to my clients when I flip the blind over, flip the blind over top of us and uh, take off running after the injured turkey across the field. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep, my uh, I had a buddy of mine from up in uh, Green Bay, Craig, and last year in twenty. Uh, the 2020 season, he went four for four. This year, he couldn't do anything to bring one in. He couldn't even, it's like he was struggling hard. Right. That's funny how that works some years, man. I mean, I couldn't really, I believe I could have went out there with a duck call and called turkeys. They were just, <laughs> they really liked the cadence that I was doing. And um, I used the same cadence every day and they kind of, they just liked it. It worked. So I didn't ever change it. So um, yeah, I had some really good guys come in. I had a, a lieutenant colonel from the Marine, a retired lieutenant colonel for, Colonel, I shouldn't say Lieutenant Colonel, but Colonel from the Marine Corps come in, yeah. and um, well, he we had a blast. He killed a turkey with me, and yeah, he was really fun. And I had some really really fun different different clients. I had to jump in the canal after turkeys up to my up to my waist and um, get them out of canal. Yeah, it was a really really good time. I enjoyed it. It's fun when you're killing birds and everybody's laughing. You know. No kidding. It's like you must need almost get one of those uh, tactic cams for your for your because uh, they make a bracket that goes over your your cap and then put a mount right there. Right. Having you call and stuff like that, like especially when you have a season like you did, just the, the the collage that you could put together would be astounding. Oh yeah, I mean, I the only thing I had was a bunch of pictures. You know, another that's I did camera, <laughs> I did TV stuff for a long time, and I just I almost hate having a camera with me anymore. You know. It's, I followed a guy with a camera for a lot of years and I, uh, yeah, I just rather enjoy it. Take some pictures when it's after now, <laughs> afterwards. I don't blame you, man. Cause it's like, I've talked to a lot of guys that uh, like up here in Wisconsin, they start their career off trying to film everything. And then you just, they'd get burnt out because you had to, you had to plan everything out and bring everything with you. It's like, it takes you out of the hunt. I mean, I always had a good time. I feel I filmed for Steve Kreiner with Dog Soldier TV for a lot of years. Followed him all around the country, or and uh, we killed a lot of cool stuff together. And I learned a lot from him. He was a really good teacher when it comes to doing camera camera stuff. And yeah, um, yeah we had a blast. Uh, I mean, I did that for a lot of a lot of seasons with him. And it's a predator show, you know. We we're killing coyotes, mountain lions, bears, you know, coyote, you name it. We were killing if it was a predator. Yeah. Getting to talking about predators, man. This this year in Wisconsin has been a shit show for what coming to getting another wolf season because it's like they basically just canceled it and they brought it back on. It's like it's just That's a, a big it, joke. That's a joke, man. That wolf season, geez. I know There's a lot of things pushing it from what I've heard and read. I mean, you don't know what the whole deal is, but you know, we applied last year. We didn't get drawn. Me and Josette both uh applied. We didn't we didn't draw and you know, they, they filled a quota in three days. Uh, I, I'd say there's probably a wolf problem if you're filling 200 wolves in, in three days. So. Oh, yeah, you are. When we talked about it last year, we, it, it was just it was remarkable on how fast they hit that quota so rapidly. And now this year, it's like we're fighting against the antis. It's like it's like Agenda 21 all over again. You know, a lot of it, too, is that the, the, the tribe, the Indians up there fighting against it now. They don't want to have it. And that's, you know, that's a spiritual ammo, I guess, to them. And, they're kind of fighting against it now, not wanting killed, but you know, I don't know, man. They're gonna have to do something with them to control the population. That's a fact. It's gonna take it down to when they start killing dogs, killing killing family pets. It's usually how it usually has to get changed. But the worst part is like already, that already goes on now. So it's gonna have to take somebody getting to what you have. You hate to say that, but yeah, you know, the first time a little kid's out there playing and a pack comes up and you know, God forbid they they hurt him or anything, but 
that's when it's going to change. You're going to have to have somebody, you know, get hurt. But it's always the humans. The humans are the problem, you know, if you listen to the antis, which is a big crock of shit. But don't get me started on them. I thought they'd go up there and be able to trap, you know, 20 of them a year. Yeah, do you know how nice it would be just, especially when you get a nice pelt? But, like, that will go for a pretty penny. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, you get a nice wolf pelt. Even the ones that, where guys are able to trap them, you know, they're getting good money for wolf pelts because, you know, there ain't a whole lot out there anymore since they won't let us trap wolves. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it is It is frustrating, but it's like, gonna come, like I know here along 90 here, when they were doing a whole bunch of work between here and Sparta, they went through and they put a whole new fence line on there. And it's like, they're not really telling us why, but it's like, I'm, I'm assuming, because like I've driven between here and Toma enough times where I've seen coyotes push deer out or you'll see coyotes sit there on the side of the road there. And it's like, they, they're, they're doing that on purpose. We got play. I mean, up there in Northern Wisconsin, my, my buddy Wayne Holly lives. He, uh, there's parts of the country when we're running, when we're running bears in the summertime training that you don't let them cross that road. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, luckily not this time and age, we got GPS college tracking calls on everything. So, I mean, you know where they're at, you can get right, right in front of them. But if mm-hmm. they cross that road and get into wolf country, you know, there's not a road for several, several miles. And, you know, you're, uh, the, the wolves come in and kill you, kill your dogs. The only thing you find is the head and the collar. And they can yeah. do that really, really fast. You know, kill two or three of your dogs before you can ever even think about getting in there and just eat them. Mm-hmm. Nothing left. Oh, and it's, that is so true. It's a, it's a, it's a, they're amazing apex predator, but boy, they're, they're literally the serial killers of nature. You know, I've listened to, uh, oh, oh uh, they just kill everything. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's no stopping them. It's like, I'm listening to like, there's a, a professor out of New, New Mexico, Dan Flores. He's written a couple of really good books about uh, coyote and uh, like the whole history behind it and such. And very, very interesting guy. Let's do it. It's like, I would like to almost want to go down there just to listen to his lectures because I've heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast. And like, he's one of those guys that captivate you so much. All you do is just sit back and listen because it's like, uh, he's just so full of knowledge and how he strings his, his topics together is just poetry. I wasn't sure if you glitched out on me or what's going on. (laughs) I thought for a second there, he glitched out on me because it became very um, quiet. Uh, oh no no i was i was talking i don't know what's going on sometimes I, my phone seems yeah phone's in good shape so battery's good uh, it could be zoom zoom has been frustrating with it i mean they're going right now they have like a i think it's like a 60 or 70 million dollar lawsuit because of the, the lack of security that they had like back in 2020 when when things really kicked off and people were really using zoom to its right. full potential people were dropping in and there's been there, there was uh there was uh, pre- uh, predators, pedophiles jumping in in schools and stuff like that, being naked, being doing very, very lewd things like that. So there's enough, there's a big enough lawsuit out there that whoever- I'd rather jump in when it was like Bill Gates talking about how much money he was going to make. That's when I'd want to jump in and figure out how to make some money. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? You know, it's like even when you listen to Trevor Noah talk about Moderna and Pfizer and stuff like that, it's like, you know, you follow the money. It's like, the, and now um, Illinois is now going to, uh, to associate your vaccine um, status with your insurance, with the health insurance. So if you don't have all the jabs, you, you they're gonna, they're gonna, they can cancel your insurance policy without telling you. That's a, that's a shithole state anyway. I hate for, you know, not many, but the people that live there because there's some really nice places there. I just left there. I was there for, I was there last week and a buddy of mine lives in Northern Illinois in the country, man. And you know, places like that, it's good. But God, what a shithole to live. I wouldn't live there with the laws they have. 
Oh, I agree. My, 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 well, I'll put it this way. My, well, my wife's entire family, their mom, dad, grandparents, all of them live there and stuff like that. It's absolute shithole. It's like, I will not move to Illinois. I will move to Davenport before I move to Illinois. Right. And Davenport's a shithole. Right. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Yes. And even with, uh, do you see Tommy's buck, uh, Jim Tommy? He shot that 226 or something like that over off his okay. property. You know, I don't know. I see so many deer and I get so many pictures of deer sent to me, man. That, it's kind of like, okay, another deer, and I just I scroll on to the next thing I'm doing or go on to the next thing. I and mean, we had a uh, we had a, a guy that I know, his boy, uh, youth season, I believe it was youth season, or right, or early muzzleloader shot of two, what was it, Joe? 13. 213, and the kid was 12 years old. Yeah. Was, was that in Iowa or Kansas? I know there no, was. That, that was in Iowa, right down the road from the house here. Okay. Right well, yeah. now getting back to the whole thing about having mineral blocks on your property, <laughs> talk about opening up a whole can of worms. Right, right. I mean, if the wrong person comes in, yeah, you, you can have all kinds of problems. And uh, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> the worst part is sometimes hunters could be the worst thing because there's going to be people that are, could be neighbors that could be jealous of them. And then all of a sudden trying to fill their, fill their inbox or email box full of uh, garbage that's not true. Yep. That goes on all the time. Yep, that goes on, and you just you, know, you won't believe some of the shit guys will do over a damn deer. Oh well, even even my Facebook page, I'll get nasty emails and comments and stuff like that. Especially when I post a successful harvest, or some of the nastiness that come out of the anti hunters, like the ones that actually oh, dude, it's crazy man, it's crazy. About I mean, just the things they say about. I hope you, you know, they see your kids with. And I've I've dealt with that over the years, and I just block them. I don't even I don't even give them the damn. Yeah, I just don't even comment. Just block them and go on about my business. That's exactly what I do. All they too. want is confrontation, you know. And then they just twist it and turn it any way they want. But yeah, I don't deal with that shit. I don't. It don't bother me, and I just delete them. I'm going about my day. That's the best way. That's the best approach here. But now getting to the meat and potatoes is trapping season. Now last yes, year we we talked about like uh, how you got into it, the traps you used. So. Yep. What do you want to talk about now? What do you what what do you want to teach the you know, listeners about this? Be, it's getting ready to be prime time. The first the first prime right now here in in, in most places here in the Midwest. Um, you know, I, I snared one this morning, and um, you know, I, I don't have a pile of coyote sets out right now just because I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting. I don't want to get a pile of them out and then have a daggone six inch snowstorm and then have to go pull everything because I learned <laughs> last year I'm not I'm not foot trapping in the snow. Um, it's just a headache, no more to coyotes than what we have. Um, I'll just mm -hmm. snare everything. Um, yeah, some guys don't like that, but I, I'm stacking fur up when they ain't catching anything. So um, that's the, you know, the snaring is what I'm getting ready to go do, man. I got I got a few coon uh, DP dog proof traps out, and uh, I got a couple coat dirt hole sets out right now. And uh, yeah, I'm just like I said, dude. I'm waiting for it to snow, man. That's what I like. Now I can, you can cover so much more country, and I can put snares out everywhere, and I can mm -hmm. really see where everything's moving in the snow. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm waiting for it to snow. Then I can pull all my other crap, and uh, yep, just work on snares. Well, that's a fantastic thing. So, why do you prefer the the the, the snare over some of the other traps that are out there? You know, the snare is just, it's really easy to set. I can put out, you know, I can put a hundred snares out in the time it would, you know, it would take me, I wouldn't probably be able to get 15 or 20 dirt hole sets and I could put a hundred snares out in the day. I mean, wow. it, it, uh -huh. because it has no smell, 
It's really simple to put out, and you can just ride by looking there, see if the if the snare is deployed or if it's an animal in it or if it's felt or whatever. It's really easy. Just ride by, look, go on to the next one. Um, a lot of your footholds, you know, you can't do that. You got to drive in farms. You got to go here. You got to go there. Here in Iowa, if you didn't know, we can ditch trap. Um, we got a lot of farms too, but we I do a lot of ditch trapping too. As long as you you know you're legal, you can trap in the ditch. So just setting blind snare, you know, snares on trails, and you know you're picking up bobcat, red fox, coyotes, coons. You know, everything uses these game trails, so you never really know what you're gonna have in the morning. So it's not like you're really focusing on one animal. That is very true because I mean you get you. You got a bobcat already. You got a few coyotes yesterday. You got two of them, right? So, and then today you got another coyote. So, which is nice. Now, what do you end up doing with the hides? Um, the one I caught today was mangy. So, I mean, you know, you hate to say it, but you know where he goes. And uh, yeah, the two, the the other two I got. Um, a good friend of mine, Dale Billingsley. He uh he owns a bait and lure company where he sells all the all the bait and lure that I'm catching all this stuff with. So, I mean, there's no money in trapping. Uh, there's a little bit of money. I, I take that back. There is a little bit on, on some animals right now. But what we usually do is do a little horse trading. Um, I'll uh, I'll trade coyotes and coons for bait and lure, and that's kind of what we've been doing. And I keep in with some fur. If it's a really, really nice coyote, I'll uh, I'll cape it off and send it off and have it have it tanned and just to, just to hang in. I got a whole rack full of furs hanging in the other corner over here. Um, you know, but bobcats, I usually try to keep them all unless somebody really wants a good bobcat belt. Um, that one I killed this year was a really dandy bobcat. That is a nice know. one. I've used that. I use that in the, in the post on Instagram to tell people that, like, this is the upcoming episode for this week. And yep. it was really pretty. So now, what does a bobcat belt fetch if you were to sell it on the market? Man, it's, you know, you're talking about on the, on the carcass or, you know, after you got it tanned and, and everything else. It's a lot of different variants that go with bobcats, depending on how spotted they are, how big they are, you know. I got gotcha. you. Uh, they, they could go anywhere from 50 to $300. It's a, it's a kind of a big gap in there, depending on, depending on the cat, depending on who wants them. Makes sense. That makes absolute sense with that yeah, whole first, aspect. First to worst, everything's down on fur. I mean, little minks, right? Just a little mink is bringing 10 bucks, which is pretty good for a mink. Um, you know, it's the days of $70 coons you'll never see again. It ain't worth the, tw the 22 bullet to shoot them, but you got to do mm -hmm. something for predator control. That's the reason we're doing it. I enjoy trapping, but I'm doing it because we saw a dramatic, I mean, the, the turkeys we had this year were uh, considerably, yeah, a whole, a lot more turkeys, a whole yeah. lot more turkeys. So that is a valid thing. That's, that's why you go after all those particular animals that I'm just not, i'm not doing it to make a lot i'm not doing it to make money i'm doing it to make it so we can have enjoy the other things if i can get rid of these predators then i can enjoy the turkey hunting and the, mm -hmm. and the quail and pheasant and everything else you know so as a non-res it's like i would have to get a so in iowa it does it have a fur bear license to to, to, to trap yes you have to have a fur bear's license to trap um you don't have to have a fur bear's license to call cows and shoot them with a rifle but you have to have a fur bearer's license to trap. Okay, I was wondering that because it's like I, I've been I've been eyeballing some uh, either an ATN or a Sightmark um, thermoscope and stuff like that because yep. I wouldn't mind going out to watch here or going actually going with you and going shooting some shooting some coyotes. Yeah, if you can do that. I don't. I can't remember right off the top of my head. I think the out of state hunt license, so you can just go shoot is I don't know 100, 200 bucks or something. Two hundred oh. bucks. 
for oh to actually to to, to actually hunt uh, coyotes you have to actually have to get a license okay yeah. i wasn't sure because yeah. minnesota and i got the wisconsin book here nearby but i know minnesota it's free you just you just as soon as you cross it yeah. the yeah. state i was gonna get it they're they're uh they're cut of it for sure but no trapping here man i'm you know, I think out-of-state traveling license here is 250 bucks or 275 bucks or something ridiculous for guys to come, you know, from out-of-state to trap. That's almost too. That's almost like not even worth it because then it's like come and check your traps stuff like that. It's like unless you live right on the border, it's it's just not even worth right, it. Right, right. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm lucky. I can just leave every morning on the side by side. If I unless I have something to traps, I can usually be back if I don't have to reset anything in 45 minutes. I'm back. That is good. Let's see here. No wolves. Well, of course, obviously, you have an application for wolves. Let's see here. Kind of looking here in Wisconsin, but I don't see anything for. So, see, you got the application for Bobcat for Wisconsin. None. Oh, well, at least if you want to get a fur bearer's license here in Wisconsin, it's 160, so it's a little bit cheaper than Iowa. That's your first one. So, if you've never had a, if you've never had a fur bearer's license in Wisconsin as a non-resident, um, like the first one I ever bought was really cheap. Yeah, and then you're after right. that, after that first one, if you apply again, it, the price goes goes up from there. That is pretty pretty much. Oh yeah, so yeah, coyote season is continuously open. So yeah, you're good to go yep. on that one. Yeah. So yeah, because they're so such a nuisance. And yeah, because I would like to go down there and actually be part of a go, like just hop in the the, uh, the tracker with you and go go check out that. And then maybe I'll talk to Doug because he li he literally doesn't live much farther than from you from over there and watch here and see because yep. he's got some coyotes and he's got some. Uh, bobcats and he also has some coons that needs to get re removed off the land there there you go yeah get it that's i'm working on them if i went and dumped every trap i had i would i mean obviously up my odds the more steel you put in the ground you the better your odds are but i'm um, just got other things going on um you know, i wanted to catch a big cat so call it a big cat i've already you know caught some coats and i'll work on the cows a little bit more later on in the year we can trap to the end of january so yeah, oh, for that's snowfall, nice. man. I'm gonna be. I'll throw a bunch of them up. Now, for bobcats, what is the larger of the two? Is it is it the females are bigger than the male ones, or the males bigger than the females? Are they no, probably the, the same size? Are, I mean, seem to be bigger the ones that I've caught. Um, uh, last year, I caught two toms too, or killed two two toms too, and uh, yeah, the males seem to be bigger. And then it also depends on weight wise. If he's full or empty, meaning if he's ate anything, he's usually full. That cat, I. Trapped there week before last or so. He was full. He had ate something. I hadn't, he's hole in the freezer right now. So I hadn't even got him caped off or anything. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with him. You know, I live with a taxidermist, but uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's a little hard to get anything mounted when you're, uh, when you live. <laughs> yeah, I could, see, I could see that being a struggle. It's kind of like dating a masseuse. I couldn't see her face, but I'm pretty sure she's probably doing like this to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay, Joe. That's funny. Now, because that's one thing I need to – I haven't had actually haven't had a taxidermist on my podcast, so I almost have to have Joe on here if, she, if that's something she's interested in. So Not yeah, tonight, I but – I'll have to talk to her and see. She's really, really busy, so <laughs> I have to see. Well, it's like it ain't going to happen anytime, new, anytime now because everybody's dropping everything off, so it's like I am not going to get in her way of making money. Right, right. Yeah, There's it's nonstop. It was there for for the beginning. I was when I was in North Carolina guiding. She was busy, busy, busy. Now she's trying to get some 
stuff out the door, mountain stuff, and then it's still about every day, you know, two guys that hadn't caught or anything just to get two caped off and skull cap so they could get uh-huh. them back to Georgia. You know, you can't cross lines with a with any brain matter or any spinal matter or anything from state to state. So they had to come mm-hmm. in here and get them caped off. So she was out there in the shop caping deer off and caping cat or bobcats off the mountain. She's busy today too. I don't blame it. So now have you started picking up a knife and helping her out with stuff or are you just kind of leaving her to it? Well, whatever she tells me to do. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> whatever she tells me to do, I just do it. I don't blame it. Yeah. It's just easier just to go with the flow. It's like, all right, I'll help yeah, you out. Yep. Yep. If she needs me to, do something that I can do, I'll do it. If you know, I don't, I don't want to screw nobody's stuff up. So I'm, I'm kind of limited to what she'll let me do. <laughs> Dag, I don't blame you there. No blame her on that one. Now I do, I do, I do try to keep my own coyotes and everything off because she ain't got time to do that crap. And they're really, they're really simple to do. But mm-hmm. these bigger cats and stuff, you know, when she gets a chance, I'll kind of slip it in there on the floor and let her cape it off. So if I do decide to get it mounted or something down the road, it would, it'll be it'll be caped the right way that's 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 a good way to look at there and um now when you do your snare traps do you put bait on them or no so there's no bait on the snare you're really just doing a blind set is what it is you're finding a game trail um you know i have a guy custom makes these snares for me they're really nice snares they have a big swivel in the middle so to, you want to keep your animal as comfortable as you can you know he he is he knows he's caught but you don't want to stress him out no more than you have to um that's me anyway. Um, I don't. I don't want him to sit there and suffer. So we mm-hmm. try to do everything we can to make the make him comfortable as he sits there. And he's got swivels in it. Um, you know, it's got a two hundred fifty pound breakaway uh, swivel in it. So I mean, if you do get a deer or something that's big enough to pop that, it'll bust that bust that snare off, and uh, you know they won't sit there and kill the animal or, or whatever um, it does. But no, back to no no. Uh, no bait, no anything. That's a good thing about the snare. You go up there, you touch it one time, you get it hung up. And then, you know, over, they can sit there all season. I mean, mm-hmm. the wind sometimes blows them down, deer kick them over. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, if you catch something, you it usually just destroys that snare. And I save all my, uh, hey, um, that, uh, yeah, so yeah, you usually replace a snare and but I, that's the one of the really good features about guys that are just maybe trying to learn how to trap is it ain't rocket science with a snare. You find a game trail, you know, I, I this is how I measure off the ground. It's not like rocket mm-hmm. science. I do my pinky to the thumb to the bottom of the snare, snare open all the way, depending on what you're trapping. I'm trapping coats. The one I caught today, I caught him all the way in the middle of his body because when he jumped through the hole of the fence, I had to, <laughs> I had it legal size, but he was so narrow when he jumped through with his paws in front of him, it went right around him. I caught him middle of the body. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So then, oh, so Very now. Rarely does that happen. Most of the time, you know, you, you catch him around the neck. But, yeah, the way he jumped right through it, and it was it was weird, man. That's the first one I'd ever caught like that. See, I have a friend of mine down in uh, Arizona, and she's got uh, she does like a rehab facility for for animals. Like she does pigs, horses, uh, donkeys, whatever, whatever. That like it's pretty much the end of it's like a, re- a retirement home for elderly pets. And then right. there's times sometimes they'll they'll actually rehab them. They'll go back to where the original owner and stuff like that. And right. but last year, last month, 
she had over 30 headed uh, ducks and geese. And then within a matter of like a few days, the coyotes came through and destroyed everything. Got them all the way down to like three to five left. So she's killed, I think, four in the last few weeks. So she's been... Nine. Yeah, she, yeah the thing I think I might, might recommend for her to do is actually start setting more standards for her to do something well, like that. She better check her regulations for that yeah. state because just like your state, or Wisconsin mm. doesn't allow snares. Illinois doesn't allow snares. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she better check her reg, her local regs and see what that's at on snares um, before she goes out there and starts dumping a bunch of snares. I try to tell yeah, everybody. Exactly. We're, we're lucky that because uh, here in this state, you can, you can. There's some, there's some rules behind it, but um yeah you can snare here which makes it really mm -hmm. nice yeah she don't she's pretty good at making to maintaining her regulations and stuff stuff like that yeah. to look at it. so i'm so but i think that might be a good alternative for her to this way then if she's busy because she's she's also the uh president of the vfw so she is constantly always being doing something so something to help protect her flock and stuff right right for sure yeah and, and yeah that's the has she been shooting them or trapping them shooting them no, that She'll works get just good. <laughs> and, she, and she's had some ballsy ones. They'll be walking around 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. So it's like she'll go out there. Yeah, yeah you better so, kill him. Yeah, exactly. She's she's killed uh, two males so far. That last time I talked to her, like in the last uh, yep. week or two. So it's like she's been trying to get after those females, but right now the only ones that have been coming out and scouting are the males. Yeah, right. You're hearing another, oh, you can say by the end of the month, going into middle of January, you'll have your, your pairs are starting. Uh, they'll start pairing up together for mating. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you'll start catching some doubles. And that's uh, that's the good thing about that late season. There'll be it's usually two of them together. If you got trail cameras out, you're seeing they'll 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 be paired up male and female and start doing if you if it's no snow on the ground, the dirt hole sets are your way to go. I mean, I like still I still like catching them with a with a trap, but that snare works really good. So how do you set up a dirt hole trap? Oh, so it's a dirt hole set. Um, you um, you're augering in the hole. Oh, my auger bit's about 16 inches. It's about three inches around. Okay. And you're augering in at an angle. Um, I set with a Bridger um, offset modified number three, and it's a pretty big trap, big square jaw trap. And um, you know, dig your hole. You, you're gonna come out from it. And I'm not gonna get into detail because you'll get tore all the pieces because guys got their own way. If they want to set it to the left of the hole, the right of the hole, how far? Um, I'm just going to give you how one's made. Okay, <laughs> simple. Yeah, oh, God, you, you get eight alive because um, everybody's got their own way of setting a dirt hole set. Um, but the the basics of it are, you know, you drill your hole, um, whatever kind of foot trap a guy likes, that's what I prefer as a bridger number three. And uh, if a guy likes it to the little to the left or a little to the right and whatever distance he wants, and then you dig your hole down, set your trap, sift your dirt, get it bedded in good, and uh, then you'll just add whatever bait you like and a lure. Bait goes in the hole, lure goes out of the hole, up on top mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, late season, a lot of guys are going to use a skunky-based lure because it's in cold weather it seems to carry this Father being a skunk based lure. Um, and, um, put your pan cover on, set your trap in, cover it up, and you know, thing about trapping, you can you can put as many traps as you want to, but if you ain't got coyotes, you ain't gonna catch them. It's all about location when it comes to coyotes. You gotta know coyotes are there. Um, get out of the, I tell guys, get out of the side by side and walk around a little bit. No kidding. Yeah, teach you a lot just by getting off that side by side, walking around in the woods, the ditches. We have a, a kill ditch where we throw all our 
deer scraps and stuff from deer and um yeah it's uh i went 20 foot down in the ditch today just to see what tracks were coming in there and there's been a couple coyotes a couple minks Mm -hmm. different things coming but i would have never seen it sitting up on top you know looking in out the side by side so yeah tell you guys get out walk around look a little bit um dirt hole sets are that's one of the main people been doing that for 100 years man doing dirt hole sets and there's all different kind of sets you can do but that's you know you talk to you talk to 10 guys, nine of them are going to be doing dirt hole sets. That's just, that's the name of the game. Some of them will do a flat set, but yeah, that's what we do. I, I run a bunch of dog proof traps too for coons, mm-hmm. uh, especially here, you know, out in the country, you don't want to catch nobody's dog. And yeah. if you, if you, if you're not going to catch him in a DP, that's for sure. You might catch a house cat, but you ain't catching nobody's dogs. So now what do you use for your bait and the lure? And see, that's uh, Dale. He that is going to be his ingredients. Um, it's usually it can be a bobcat based bait, um, being bobcat meat, bobcat gland. It's been tainted. Um, smells really bad. If that if that gives you a description of uh, yeah, I get it. Tainted meat, you know. Um, some of it skunk base, beaver uh, base, and then then your lures are you know. A skunk base a lot of them a lot of them can be different things and that part I, I just tell Dale to send me some good stuff and he sends it to me and I use it and see what I catch on it that's uh that's where I'm at on that um he owns a really good he runs a really good company Billingsley uh brand lure baits and lures he's out of uh, Bonaparte Iowa um hell of a nice guy man he's uh he's a hell of a trapper he's probably he traps about 800 to 1,000 coon in 30 days. Jeez, that's insane. Not the guy that I need to get over here. If you want to do a really cool uh, deal on trapping, man, I'm just a trapper, man. I'm nothing like that. He's a long liner. He, uh, he's been doing it for 40-plus years. He's caught more – he's killed more coon than rabies. I'm telling you, he's killed, <laughs> he's killed more damn coyotes than, than Dagon Distemper has. He's uh, – He's the guy I should get on here when we do this again because he's got more stories and more cool things to talk about than what he's seen in his life, you know. That would be fun. I, I, that would be something to do, like, be fun to do face-to-face just to get, get together, cook some food, oh, drink some beer. He's the funniest guy ever, man. He does, he does the jo- – he's, yeah, he's a great, great guy. Well, we should, we should look at uh, – well, shoot, my month of January. I have something planned every single weekend in the month of January. Oh, yeah, that's not a, yeah, you just let me know. I'll get up with him, man. We'll do a, we'll do a really cool just – yeah, Dale's done, done it all. He's rode Bronx. He's rode Bulls. He's been a damn. He's been a uh, rodeo clown. Yeah, he's he's done it all, brother. <laughs> he's a good, he's good shit. I'm gonna tell you. You get him to start telling stories, and he's a hell of a storyteller, man. He's almost like a folk. Well, you know how they do the folk story, the yeah. folk tales or whatever. He's just got uh-huh. one voices. Super cool guy, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, back to trapping, man. That's where I'm at. You know, it's nothing really. I don't do anything no different than most of these guys that are trapping. Um, mm-hmm. I just tell everybody it's, it's all about location. Um, I Sometimes I'm sloppy, uh, not as being as scent-free as I should, but I still catch fur. So uh, whatever, you know, what I'm doing seems to work. So, um, you know, a lot of guys are really, really careful about being scent-free, wearing two different pairs of gloves, three different pairs of gloves, and I don't I, – I, I stopped doing that. I just go set the trap and and just try to be as whatever scent free as I can. But 
yeah, I don't, I don't get all into it like some of these other guys do. But well, what's the I average? Have, I had a lot of experience. So, what is an average lifespan of a of a coyote? I've heard like three to five years. Is that true, or am I off? I or? That's probably around here. Yeah, around here. As much as they get hunted, we run with hounds. We trap them. I mean, everybody's shooting coyotes. I mean, yeah, I would probably guess if he makes it to five years old, he's really lucky, and it's probably in some bigger, either upper or close to town. Mm-hmm. Is where these guys are going to live a little bit longer, probably because he just don't get the pressure he would be out here in the country. True. Um, you know, I I would say even like these bobcats, the one that I trapped the other day, I bet that cat is probably five or six years old, I would guess. We had pictures of him for the last two years, and uh, we had pictures on about four or five days or a week before I caught him. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I bet these cats are living in these big blocks like that. They don't have much pressure, probably five, seven years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ones who killed, there's some cats that I was a part of the hunt in Wisconsin. The cat was 11 years old. Oh, man, that's old. That's an old one. That's in big northern, northern Wisconsin up, you know, uh, uh, Iron River is where mm-hmm. a friend of mine lives that I go mess with hounds and run cats and bears and stuff with. And yeah, they got. Some of these cats just are in blocks that are just continuous mile after mile blocks, too. Yeah, so it doesn't doesn't surprise me when you have a cat that old when you actually manage to get on top of it. Yeah, I mean, his he didn't need all his canines wore down, they didn't have points on them, they were all broke off. And okay, they sent a a tooth off and found out how old it was. I was wondering, I was was gonna ask you that to how they determine that. So, what do you got? So, you're, you're done going out to North Carolina this season. Yep, for now I'm done. I should I was I could have went back and done some uh this last bear season. Um you know, I just uh, I, I had a choice either I could or couldn't. It didn't it didn't affect me either way. And I just I, I was pretty tired of wore out by the time I got back home. It was about forty five days, I guess, straight. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean we had clients we had about one day off before clients rolled back in and you know, like I said, we can bait there. Let's see, we put out forty thousand pounds of corn in in seven, eight weeks. Ever how long I was there, we're putting five thousand out a week. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, yep, a lot, a lot of corn, man. Said they would bring us 70, 70 pound bags every Saturday. <laughs> that's insane, man. Yeah. That is insane. Then me and the other guy would. We had we got four wheelers and big wagon these big wagons we can load in, but you got to handle every seventy pound bag, you know. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. take off to run the bait. We can do it all in a day. Now, do you? This is where this is where you need to have a younger guy with you to handle all that extra weight because you, know, you, right. you I, I brought I brought the boys with me. A couple my boys. I got two two boys. One's sixteen and one's fourteen. So they got their workout one day with me. That's good. That's it's still it's good to have them around to be able to get that exercise, but also it's like kind of gains that appreciation. So when when they see one of their friends or something they know tag out, it's like it's a rewarding season because they know they helped them get that point. Right, right. Heck yeah, yeah. They had a good time. We uh we killed a killed hogs and or killed a hog that was a uh, 165 pound boy. We had a pile of hogs in there. The guys just some of them guys didn't want to shoot them. They were there to deer hunt. Didn't want to mess with a hog. Yeah. Yeah. We uh. The hogs moved in there at the end of the season. We had a bunch of corn. We had doubled and tripled up baiting some sites just because it was getting late in the year. We were trying to pull some deer. And yeah, yeah. Pulled, ended up pulling all the all the daggone hogs. And when the hogs come in, they kind of push the deer out. So many hogs get in there, start eating off these bait piles. So 
No, but, have you? No, I, I could have went back home for bear season, but I decided to stay here. Yeah, 45 days straight is it? It's a lot. It takes a toll on a man's body. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that work until you know you're keeping cleaning and quartering deer up all night, and then try to go to bed and be back up at four, and that's our schedule. Yeah, no kidding. It's like good luck with that. Now, um, have you run into any Iowa any uh, hogs down there in Iowa yet, or is Missouri still no. doing a pretty good job? Of? No, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard anybody say anything about them. I think they got them coming up in Missouri, um, talking to some guys that are down south down in Missouri. They, I guess they had them having a few problems with them. But, no, I hadn't seen any here. <laughs> I know the farmers would hate it, but it wouldn't bother me none. <laughs> Something else to kill. Yeah, we, we even this year, I, we haven't heard any much of any sightings, even as far as up in Wisconsin. And I haven't heard – too much from my father-in-law and, her, and his dad of when they go out predator hunting they haven't heard anything about any hogs uh, coming through and they're over by there by um just about an hour north of peoria illinois okay yeah or in princeton yeah, area have, there's been some over the years i guess here but they there's not a there's not a breeding group of them here no not that i know of i hadn't heard anybody say anything about them knock on wood for that i could i could I need somebody to go in there and kill them i'll go over there and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> i'll gladly sign up for that because it'd be fun to get out there and just shoot some hogs right right you know i got this i got a nice uh i uh, built over the over the course of last winter i i just every time i got a little bit of money it's like i had a buddy of mine that helped me build an ar-15 and a, a five five six on a for a platform and a nice 60 inch okay. barrel and it's like I've been thinking like I need to I, if I put all this energy and time in, I need to get out there and actually utilize this thing. Otherwise, it just sets in, in the closet in a padded bag. It's like it's not what I meant to use it for. You need to get out there and actually stretch legs. Yeah, Josette had one made. She had a 450 made in the AR platform, and she's deadly with it. I wouldn't want her shooting at me with it. So. <laughs> I have a buddy of mine that's uh, looking yeah. to build build a 300 uh, pistol with a seven and a half inch barrel. It's like, man, you, you're, it's like you're just glutton for punishment because the parts are virtually impossible to find for, right, for that right. caliber. Yeah, yeah, that's a – they changed a lot of the calibers here this year, so we're – I don't even know how many different calibers you can shoot here now. There's a handful of different different rounds you can shoot from four, uh, 45, 70 to 375 H&H and all grades of different calibers you can shoot here now. They still won't let you shoot a high power, but you can shoot. I just we had a friend here that had, what was it a 375 H and H? Yeah, he's shooting 400 yards with it. So what's the difference between that and a friggin' high power? None to me. There's, yeah, there's no there's no difference. It all just comes down to that pulling trigger. Crazy, like a 225 grain bullet out the end of it. Something. I mean, show me the bullet. I don't know if you've ever seen. A, I think it's a 375 or whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. but a uh, custom-made Christensen Arms gun with a night force on top. You know, he can shoot 400 yards all day long with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I think it's just the way of the antis and the, the way they want to work and stuff like that. They want to keep restricting it, but now all of a sudden we're starting to see things starting to open up a little bit more, which is nice. Wisconsin, there's you can shoot anything you want. Right, but that's the thing, you know, if they ever turn into right, if it ever turns to rifles here, you'll see the deer numbers go within two years, just plummet right to the ground. We've, we've had pretty good numbers through here, but we have bluff country. So that really, that kind of changed things around, things, things up. You'll have every guy in the country coming to Iowa with a high power rifle and you'll see, you'll see your bigger deer numbers go down. I think as meaning as, as size wise deer 
Um, but yeah, you don't never know. I hope they never. I hope they never bring high power here to this to this state. It's, I think it'll ruin the state if they do. They can kind of take the luxury of it because everybody likes coming to Iowa for bow hunting, anyways. Right, right. And I mean, that's what we're known for is big deer during bow season. I mean, if you turn into a rifle state, you'll just be another rifle state like the rest of them. And you kind of you'll lose the luster of it all. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. So, what do you got planned for? So, when do you head back out to North Carolina? I would probably be in C March, April, uh, beginning of April, second week, whatever of April. Um, as soon as I find out, uh, I ain't even seen the schedule yet. We're still booking people. I booked a booked a bunch of guys through uh, deer season there that are coming back. The or some of them are returned. Some of them are new guys that I booked that were there deer hunting. Okay. Um, yeah, I hadn't even talked to uh, hadn't even talked to the guys and seen what my schedule looks like yet. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's usually hectic. It's usually a lot of guys and the hardest thing I have is finding help. Um, you know, it's hard for anybody to take off and go for it. the good thing about turkey season. It's only about three or four weeks is mm-hmm. all I'm going to run out. And, um, but yeah, you can't, you can find guys, but they don't know how to turkey hunt. You can <laughs> hand them a box call and they can scratch it. But, um, you know, it's, that's the hardest part about this business is finding, finding help, man. You know, guys staying, many people can't go and run off for 45 days and, uh, and, and guide people. But, you know, if they can, if they could, that would be, uh, that would, that would help us a whole lot. Right. It is a talent. I still haven't yet to bag a turkey yet, but there you have it, folks. So get in there, get your go to, uh, Buffalo Creek Outfitters.com to go book your, uh, your hunt for either this upcoming spring or next fall. Yeah, this spring we're still booking. I'm gonna get them now. Uh, I know our first week's probably already booked. That's the busy week. Second week's really, really busy too. Uh, um, I can't throw prices out right now, but it's a three day hunt, all inclusive. Uh, if you like my cooking, because I we have we hire a cook during regular deer season, but I usually do the cooking during the turkey season. And uh, yeah, we have we have three really nice cabins. Each one of them sleeps four four head, and then we have the lodge that uh, that sleep another. Six, eight, another six guys or eight guys in the lodge. Um, yeah, really good time, man. It's all inclusive. Like I said, I take you back and forth. Uh, I guide you in the mornings, and then I set you out in the afternoons um, just for trying to catch turkeys going back to roost or whatever. But yeah, yeah. You, go ahead. I was gonna say you also came up with the group too. Uh, was it Salter's Badass Cooking? Oh yeah, I've had that for a long time. <laughs> I just throw recipes and shit on there. All just something to do. You know, a bunch of friends and stuff are on there. We're all they're always sharing stuff on it. And I'll just if I see something cool that somebody's cooking, I'll just put it on there. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, this uh my sister and I were trying to figure out what we're gonna do for Christmas for for cooking. So it's like we're 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 kind of moving away from the tradition of going getting after doing like the typical turkey and the and the ham. So we're we were her and I were looking exchanging recipes about doing stuff with venison. So I'm gonna use some of my dough and my and my father-in-law got some or my brother-in-law got some deer meat so it's like we're, we're gonna have we're just gonna have a hog heaven there just, just enjoying some meat heck yeah man that's the way to do it the turkey season should be fun uh, you know if any of you guys are looking for deer hunt we do a really good deer hunt five day all inclusive for um just go on a website the prices you they might change from year from between this year and next year just because everything's going up um, yeah inflation's so a bitch yeah, it's a five-day all-inclusive, man, and it's uh, it's it's a really good time. You can shoot, um, 
two bucks and three does in a five-day hunt. Jeez, that's a lot of meat. Yep, and if you if you decide you want to shoot a decide you want to shoot a hog through the lodge rules, it just takes away from one of your deer. I mean, that's all it does. So you just can't shoot five deer anymore. You, it takes away from one of your doe tags for us. So okay, that's a, that's a good trade off. Then is there anything yeah, you want to yeah. mention in closing, Gary? Because I mean, we've t- talked about some really fun stuff. Yeah, um, you know, man, just everybody get out, grab some traps, especially the kids. Easiest thing for the kids to do, man, is if they want to get into trapping, the parents are listening or whatever, just go out and buy some dog-proof coon traps. They can mm-hmm. set them around the house. They won't catch the dog or the, or the neighbor's dog, um, you know, and and pick up a coon trapping book. That's how I started uh, trapping coons. But it's something fun for the kids to get some outside, and it don't take a lot of effort to go and get some sardines or – whatever you're going to use to, to, to catch the coon with and set the DPs and the kids and the kids can enjoy it, man. You don't need a lot of traps to still have fun, be outdoors. So yeah, parents grab your kids some traps, take them trap them. If you don't know how to trap, ask somebody that does, man. Somebody in your neighborhood probably would be more than happy to take one of the kids. I know my buddy Dale, he takes kids all the time. That's awesome. The, the, the words, the wise words from the living legend, Jeremy Salter folks. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming on. All right, brother, man. Have a good night, brother. You as well.